Welcome to Icing the Ticker. Hosted by me, Jory Mickens, and Joe Matthews, this is your weekly pit stop for all things fantasy sports. Be sure to tune in every week as we guide you to a fantasy league championship. Welcome to another episode of Icing the Ticker. My name is Jory Mickens, and on this episode, I will be joined by the wonderful Mr. Heaven Hill. Heaven, how are you doing this evening? Jory, I'm doing phenomenal. You know, this is a very busy week, both for us and the NFL. NFL season is in full swing. We just went past, what, week four? You know, we're figuring out who's contenders, pretenders, you know, the division race is starting to shape out. You know, other teams are performing really well. Other teams like my Steelers are embarrassments. But, you know, we're having a blast. We have fun here. I'm excited to be on this episode of Ice and the Ticker. It should be a good one. Like you said, we're about four weeks into the NFL season now and the regular season is in full swing. There's a lot of storylines going around at the moment, and we're going to talk about a few of those, Heaven, on this episode. And I thought a fun way to um, talk about all of these storylines would be to play a little game called Trend or Dead End. Um, And it's about as simple as it sounds. So basically what I'm going to do, Heaven, is give you a list of storylines from the 2021 season thus far and you're gonna have to tell me whether you think that is a trend meaning you expect it to continue for the remainder of the season or it's a dead end meaning you expect it to halt you should pump the brakes if you're a fantasy manager that uh you know it it, it's pretty much this or that so we'll start here with a quarterback who has been outstanding to start this season, and that's Carolina Panthers' Sam Darnold, the newly acquired gunslinger in Carolina. He has established himself as one of the elite fantasy quarterback options this season. He is currently the QB5 in four-point quarterback leagues and leading all QBs in rushing touchdowns with five through the first four weeks. So my question to you, Heaven, the first trend or dead end is, is Sam Darnold a top 10 fantasy quarterback? What, what say you? You know, Jory, I'm going to say trend. I'm going to say this is a trend that will hold for the rest of the season simply because this version of, of Sam Darnold is a completely different version than the ones we've seen over the years in New York. I mean, they're... He had Adam Gase, who, as we know, is pretty much a quarterback killer. So to go from that situation to now one in Carolina, where the weapons are just significantly better. I mean, you've got DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson. They just drafted Terrace Marshall from LSU. You've got Chuba Hubbard, who's a really good running back. They obviously had Christian McCaffrey before he went down. There's just so many weapons around him that he didn't have in New York. To, to where they've now bolstered him, you know, up into that upper echelon in terms of, you know, elite uh, fantasy quarterback play. And then on top of all of that, 
you have something that I like to call the Joe Brady stimulus package on the sideline. I mean, we've now seen it for Teddy Bridgewater last year. We saw it for Joe Burrow at LSU in 2019. It's just something about Joe Brady and his offensive concepts and, and what he does. He just transforms a quarterback pretty much overnight. You know, like Joe Burrow was good in 2018, but when he got Joe Brady on the sideline in 2019, obviously we saw one of the greatest, you know, quarterback seasons in college football history. And the same with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he was decent. He was a, a good, solid option. But last year for Carolina, he looked pretty darn good. And now, obviously, with Sam Darnold, over those first couple of years in, in New York, he was very mediocre, sometimes even bad. And now you have someone like Joe Brady who's scheming players open to, to at that point, you know, it's up for Darnold. It's up to Darnold to just make throws. And Darnold's been making them, you know. So you've got all those elite weapons. You have an offensive line that's better than the one he had in New York. And then you have Joe Brady just calling up just beautiful plays, you know, pretty much pitch and catch for Sam Darnold. As far as the rushing attack, I don't know. He's like vanilla Vic out there, just taking off, scrambling in the end zone every week, it seems. It's kind of ridiculous. And I didn't see this coming from him. But as far as him being a good fantasy QB, uh, I think that's definitely going to be a trend that lasts throughout the season. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you, Heaven. I mean, Darnold has been exceptional to start this season. And even though they suffered their first loss of the season this past week against the Cowboys, um, he was still a excellent fantasy option. He totaled 301 passing yards and two passing touchdowns, as well as 35 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, which was his best overall week of the season. Um, I mean, you mentioned all of his options, uh, receiving options. All of them look great, except Robbie Anderson. I think they still need to build chemistry there. But DJ Moore, who was a first-round wide receiver back in 2018, he's solidifying himself as one of the best wide receivers in the league, I think. This year, he's been um, amazing for the Panthers. And then, as you said, Terrace Marshall. Um, I mean, that was a – I think – Almost a questionable pick because I don't know if they necessarily needed to address their offense uh, this past season, but he's been obviously very valuable for them. Um, and then obviously when you have one of the best running backs in the league and Christian McCaffrey, that's going to help your stats. But, you know, looking ahead to their looking ahead at their schedule, um, I think fantasy managers will be fine starting Darnold over the next few weeks. Their week five matchup is against the Eagles who recently just gave up 42 points to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, obviously, it's the Chiefs, and you got to take that with a grain of salt because of how potent their offense is. But as good as the Panthers have been, I think they'll be able to put up the points against Philadelphia. Um, in week six, they face the Vikings, which is another home game for the Panthers, and that should be an easier matchup because Christian McCaffrey, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, is injured right now with a hamstring injury and he's slated to return against the Vikings in week six. So that should certainly help Darnold out a little bit. And then in week seven, they take on the giants who have given up an average or the ninth most fantasy points to the quarterback position on average this season. And then the Falcons in week eight, who have the third worst fantasy defense against quarterbacks this season. So again, 
I mean, he started out great, and the next four weeks are looking up for him and the Panthers, really. I think this team could have a really solid record through the first half of the season. Um, the second half of the season, it probably could get a little rocky because they face teams like the Patriots, Bills, Buccaneers, and Saints. But, I again, like I said at the top, I think I have to agree with you, Heaven. I think Darnold will be among the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks by the season's end. But that being said, we can now transition to another position, that being the running back position. And we're going to focus on a player who is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, someone who has underperformed this season, and that is Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, who was actually selected 10th overall, heaven, in our icing the ticker league. So... The fantasy manager there in our league probably isn't too pleased with Taylor's performance thus far as he is currently the running back 20 in PPR leagues. Um, he ranks behind players like Chase Edmonds, Melvin Gordon, and Jamal Williams. So my question for you, Heaven, again, trend or dead end, is Taylor, who is currently ranked, again, outside the top 12 fantasy running backs, is that a trend or is that a dead end? You know what, Jordan? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say dead end, right? Like, I think it's it's obviously it's tough right now, and you know, with no Quentin Nelson on that offensive line, it's a lot harder for him to to find those those holes to to run behind. But I think it's just a matter of circumstance. Like he's had good performances this year, like that game against Seattle where he flashed his his skills in the passing game as well as on the ground. Just this past weekend against Miami, he did really well scoring his first rushing touchdown of the year. So, I mean, he's got a, a few favorable draws coming up. I mean, the Texans in, in week six, and he's got Jacksonville and Houston. Like, that division, like, it should present a bunch of opportunities for him to excel in terms of, you know, fantasy capability. I think, you know, if he found pay dirt in that Rams game or in that Tennessee game, would he still be running back 20? Obviously not because, you know, you add a touchdown to those numbers and, and he would go up. But I think he's just too talented for where he is right now. Like, if he finishes outside the top 12, something went really bad. Like, he just regressed massively. And, you know, he takes a little time to warm up. Like, we saw late last year down the stretch, he was one of the better running backs in the league. Like, those final five, six weeks or so of the season, he went crazy. So, maybe it just... You know, he's just taking time to adjust, you know, going through an, an early sophomore slump. But I think I think it'll be a dead end. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think um, Taylor, who actually had his best game of the season this past week against the Dolphins, he rushed for 103 yards on 16 carries and finally got into the end zone for the first time this season. Um but, yeah, I think, again, I think it's a dead end. Uh, if you look at the teams he played through the first three weeks of the season, it was the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Titans. Um, in week one, he had a total of 17.6 fantasy points against Seattle, and they have a pretty poor rushing defense, so it makes sense that Taylor was able to expose them in week one and, you know, Getting nearly 18 fantasy points from your starting running back, that's always a great thing. So I, I think he performed to, to the level he should be in week one against 
Seattle. Then in week two, obviously we know how good the Rams defense is. You know, that that front defensive line with Aaron Donald um, and Floyd. I mean, that's just impossible to run against sometimes. And the the Colts had only led for two minutes in that game, which obviously leads to a, a negative game script, less design run plays, because you obviously need to pass the ball in order to come back in a game like that. So uh, that obviously led to the detriment of Jonathan Taylor. And then in week three against the Titans, they lost their all-pro offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, to an ankle injury in the first half of that game. And Nelson, again, an all-pro, one of the best run-blocking guards in the entire league. So when you lose a player of his caliber, that's obviously going to hamper your run game. So like uh, like we said, I mean, he's able to take advantage of good matchups, and the Colts' schedule is going to ease up as the season goes on. And you can expect Nelson to be reintegrated into their lineup as the season goes on. So, again, I think Taylor is going to be able to turn his season around, and I wouldn't be too concerned about the first four weeks of this season uh, for the Colts running back. Now – we can move to a player who I'm sure you're probably pretty excited to talk about, Heaven. I mean, you just talked about your LSU buddy, Terrace Marshall, just a minute ago during our Panthers segment. Well, his, uh, his former teammate, Jamar Chase, he's been one of the best rookie wide receivers and really one of the best wide receivers, period, in the league this year. He's currently the wide receiver 12 in PPR formats and is averaging 74.3 yards and one touchdown per game through the first four weeks of the season. The Bengals are currently 3-1, and one, I believe, atop the AFC North or maybe tied with the Ravens. So, um, again, the Bengals surprising a lot of people, I think, early on in the season. But the question is... Chase, again, who is a top 12 wide receiver right now, is that a trend or a dead end, Heaven? Man, I'm going trend, 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 trend. You know me, Jory. This is, like, his success, like, like I don't want to brag and say, like, I saw it coming, but it's like I literally saw it coming. Like, that 2019 season, what he was doing against guys that would go on to be drafted, like Trayvon Diggs, who's – leading the, the league in interceptions, A.J. Terrell, like, he was embarrassing NFL DBs every week at 19 years old, like, doing the same thing he is now, just separating vertically. And everybody's like, oh, well, he's not the route runner that Devontae Smith is, or, oh, he's not as fast as Jalen Waddle. Like, what does it matter when he can just run past you or snag on you and he could still route you up. Like, we saw the clip where he pretty much embarrassed Patrick Peterson. Like, come on. Like, they, they, they tried to play with my dog. And then in the preseason, they like, oh, you know, he don't got hands, and they should have drafted an offensive tackle. He hadn't played football in, like, 18, 19 months. Like, of course, he's going to have the yips. He's going to drop a couple passes. It's the preseason. At the end of the day, doesn't matter. What does he do? come out week after week, boom, 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 boom. Explosive play after explosive play after explosive play. And it's like, we all saw it coming. Like that connection, that rapport that him and Joe had 
I mean, it was unlike any other. He won the, the Bolitnikov for a reason. That's just, they just have that innate ability to just connect on those deep plays. And it's been amazing. Like, it's just been so much fun to watch. Um, if they end up getting Joe Brady as their head coach next year or the year after, I will spontaneously combust. Um, just looking at him right now, it's it's a trend. It's definitely a trend because I think there's there's very few corners in the league that can guard him at this point in time. He's only going to get better as the season goes on. He's going to continue to get those downfield plays. And he's a threat to score pretty much whenever because he knows Joe is looking for him. And, I mean, Tyler Boyd is, is a great option. T. Higgins is great. Joe Mixon is great. That entire offense is cool. But, like, we already know who's establishing themselves as the alpha in that receiving room They're in terms of those weapons. And it's the guy that caught, like, 20 touchdowns from Joe two seasons ago. Like, it's – they already have it. Like, it's already there. So, I'm, I'm going trend. I think this is going to last for now and the next – 10, 15 years, and and if you're a Bengals fan, you should be very excited. You know, Heaven, I want to agree with you. I really do, but I, I don't think I can. It's 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 tough to say that he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. It's just... I'm sick of you. I, I mean, I, I understand. You know, Justin Jefferson, he did it last year. I think he was, like, the wide receiver six or five in, in fantasy, and obviously set... Uh, a rookie record for the receiving yards, but I just, it's just tough for me to say he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy this year. Um, but let me explain my reasoning. I, I mean, I never liked the notion that we have to take away from a player's success because of who they played because each team, you know, their schedule is decided for them and they just simply go out there every Sunday and, play the opponents they are told to play. And while Chase has gotten off to a, a great start in his career, the Bengals have really yet to play a truly dominant secondary. I mean, they opened their season against the Vikings, who have a, a bottom half uh, secondary, uh, according at least fantasy-wise, 13th worst fantasy defense against wide receivers. Then they traveled to Chicago, and, you know, while a lot of people believe that Chicago's defense is, is great, I think it is, and in part because of, you know, their their front seven. The back four, you know, that secondary is is bleeding a little bit. They have the seventh worst defense against wide receivers. Then they played your Steelers, Heaven, uh, who have the sixth worst wide receiver fantasy defense. And then finally, the Jaguars, who we all know uh, is liable to a lot of points defensively. So... And that was also a Thursday night game, you know, a short week for both of those teams. So, you know, I think while, again, he's gotten off to a, a tremendous start, and I, you have to be ecstatic from what you're getting from Chase thus far, I wouldn't be surprised if you, he has a bit of a rocky, you know, couple of games coming up. This coming weekend, they actually play the Packers, who obviously – boast Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in the league, and he'll most likely be tasked with shutting down Chase throughout that game. Um, in week seven, they play the Ravens, who obviously have a very stout defense all around. They're secondary with Marlon Humphreys, obviously another great uh, defensive back. 
And the Jets, you know, we can make fun of the Jets, but I don't think their defense has been an issue this year. It's really just been their stagnant offense. Obviously, their head coach, Robert Sala, is a defensive mastermind, so I think he might be able to chalk up some nice little ways to slow down the Bengals' offense. And then in Week 9, they play the Browns, who, again, have a crazy good pass rush with Miles Garrett and then great defensive backs in their secondary as well. So, you know, up until their bye week in week 10, which is, you know, after their bye week, their schedule eases up again. But the next couple of weeks could be tough for Jamar. And again, that's not to say that he's going to struggle in any sense, but probably just not as good as he has been through the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, and, you know, I, I hope you don't take offense to me saying he's not a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. Cause no, that, I'm taking offense. I'm, I'm going to take offense. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's still, I mean, he's still going to outperform his, his draft position and fantasy wise, at least. Um, and he's probably going to be regarded as the best rookie uh, wide receiver, or at least the best wide receiver from this draft class. So um, at least you'll have that to say, at least you'll have that, but uh, we'll move on now. Uh, I, I think uh, I've done enough slandering for heaven's liking. We're going to move on to our last player, our last segment. And this is another rookie who hasn't necessarily gotten off to the best of starts. And that is Atlanta Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts. He's gotten off, again, to a bit of a sluggish start in his NFL career. The number four overall selection in the 2021 NFL draft has yet to catch his first career touchdown and is currently the tight end 18 in PPR leagues. Um, in our own icing, the ticker league, he was the fourth tight end taken, which was behind Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller and George Kittle. So obviously the fantasy managers in our league thought Pitts was going to be a lot better than he has been. Um, so Again, my question to you, Heaven, is as he ranks outside the top 12 fantasy tight ends, is that a trend or a dead end? Ooh, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to say dead end. I think, I think he's going to, I think he's going to end up working his way up in, in terms of the top 12 because, I mean, it's, it's tight ends. You know, it's not hard to get there. Like you have the, that upper echelon with Waller and Kittle and Kelsey. And then, you know, you've got pretty much a mixture of, of whoever. I mean, if he gets 500 yards and, you know, six, seven touchdowns, that should be enough for, for um, top 12 distinction. And I think, I think he can get there. I think, you know, looking at last year and how much Arthur Smith used tight ends at Tennessee or in Tennessee, I should say, with uh, Jonu Smith and, and Anthony Ferguson, I think Jonu had like, 450 yards receiving and eight touchdowns and Kyle Pitts is obviously much more skilled in comparison to to John Lee Smith so I think it's just a matter of time you know they're still trying to work out the hierarchy on the Atlanta offense obviously with no Julio Jones you know so you got Calvin Ridley trying to you know take on that that bigger role you've got a running game trying to work itself out with with Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson having the, the season of his life so far so they're still trying to work out, you know, who are the, the reliable weapons. And I think, you know, by midseason, Pitts is going to establish himself 
as that that first or second option. And I think, you know, he can work his way into the top 12 and even the top eight, you know, by the end of the season. Well, Heaven, it looks like we're going to have to disagree again because, well, yeah, I think we're going to have to disagree again. I, I feel like him ranking outside the top 12 of fantasy tight ends is going to be a trend for the rest of the season. I was very wary of drafting Kyle Pitts in all of my fantasy leagues this season. Um, and my thought process was this. Even as the highest drafted tight end of all time, you know, obviously he was drafted number four overall. The best uh, statistical rookie season uh, from a tight end came in 2017 when Evan Ingram totaled 722 yards and six touchdowns. And that year he finished as the tight end five. So again, even if he had the best rookie tight end season ever, which obviously is a, a very bold claim, you know, you have to really, really believe in Kyle Pitts to think that he could have the single greatest statistical season from a rookie tight end. It still wouldn't warrant a top pick in fantasy drafts. It just doesn't make sense to draft him as the fourth tight end because, again, it still wouldn't even live up to the hype or at least the draft capital. So, again, I was never really on board with taking Pitts. I think he's a great player, and it's certainly not an indictment on what I think he'll be moving forward as a, a player. I think he's going to be incredible. He's going to have an incredible career. But as a rookie, it's just so hard for tight ends to stand out. Um so, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a trend. I, I feel like you're probably not going to be too happy with, with Pitts for the rest of the season. He's already faced some bad fantasy defenses against tight ends at least this season and has failed to capitalize on those matchups. And, you know, moving forward, it's not going to get any easier. And I think just the Falcons' offense as a whole just has not looked great through the first couple of weeks of the season. And like you mentioned, you know, he's – hardly even the third option uh, on that team. You have Calvin Ridley, of course, who's a Pro Bowl wide receiver. And then you said it, Cordell Patterson, who's just having a resurgence at, in his age 30 season uh, for the Falcons. Um, he's been incredible as just a basically positionless player, wide receiver, running back, whatever you do. Wherever he lines up, he's – been very very good for Atlanta this season so uh, Matt Ryan is just almost not even looking uh, towards Kyle Pitts on some of these possessions some of these drives so um, again that being said I just I, I'm, I'm just weary of, of Pitts for the rest of the season if you could move away from him then it might be your best chance uh, to do so but Evan that's gonna do it we uh we quickly made it through this rundown, but if you have any other last remaining thoughts you want to get off right now, then that would be the time. I'm currently up 40 points right now, I believe, in the Ice and Ticker League uh, over Ben Harris. I just wanted to, to make that known. Uh, my team went absolutely crazy this week, and I believe we're now 3-1. and one. So progress is being made. Shout out Kyler, shout out Saquon, James Robinson, Tyler Boyd. Deontay taking me to the promised land. God bless. Well, Evan, I'm on the opposite side of you. I'm actually about to be one in three. And strangely enough, 
I have scored more points than any player or any team in this league. I've right now at least 426 uh, points for, and somehow I have won one game through four weeks. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, I just continuously get bad matchups, I guess. I lost to Haley this week, so looking for a bounce-back game in week five. Well, that's going to do it for us. Again, this was another episode of Icing the Ticker. My name is Jory Mickens, joined by the sports director himself, Heaven Hill. It was a great time, as always, and we'll see you next week.